You, my dear, are a mint for tuning in. You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hello, my beautiful friend, and welcome to the 100th episode of the You're Welcome podcast. We're gonna party like it's the episode after 99. I love a reason to celebrate and reflect. I love a good milestone, and that is what this lovely round number is to me as we are not quite at the two-year mark, but it's still a pretty big accomplishment to have every single week shown up to do a podcast. And I'm very proud of myself, but more so, I would not have continued and poured so much into something if I wasn't hearing back from you how powerful and purposeful it is. And uh, if I wasn't feeling like our conversations were getting even richer and deeper over in Instagram stories as we've continue that conversation every day over there. So thank you. Without you, we truly would not be at this place and would not be continuing. And I want to read a brand new review from Chelsea Boyson because I think she so sums up the uh, ethos of this. She said, I've been an on and off listener for a while because, well, life, but I've grown even more in love with Hillary through the pandemic because of her raw, real insights to the struggles people are experiencing. She openly talks about her own struggles in a way that is relatable and comforting. In a world that seems filled with chaos these days, I have felt at ease after listening, knowing I am not alone in my feelings or anxieties, and there is indeed a fresh way to look at life's happenings with grace and gumption, of course. Thank you for the inspiration I truly needed. And Chelsea, thank you so much for leaving a review, first of all, to every one of you that's done so. It just matters more than I can say. But also, I just really loved how you emphasized that you feel more at ease when we are together. And it's because you feel less alone and you have a fresh way to look at things. And I just think that really encapsulates what we're all about. When we feel less alone, we do feel more at ease. And when we feel like we have action steps, to me, action, the idea of hope (laughs) is the antidote to anxiety. When I feel hopeless, it's because I don't know what else to do. And when I, A, feel like I'm not alone, there's a spark of hope in that. Okay, I'm not broken. I'm not so far from where everyone else is. But also when I have some sort of action steps, ideas, just the flicker of, well, maybe this could get better. Maybe I could shift in this way. That undercurrent of hope is so important. And I just really loved how beautiful you said that, Chelsea. So clearly this show is for you. We have college students, women in their 60s and 70s, people of a variety of faiths and political beliefs. So truly, if there is something you want to hear in these next 100 episodes, what I have learned is that if it is on your head and heart, someone else needs it too. They just might not have the clarity or courage or intention to ask for it. So please do leave a review so that others know that they are welcome here. And come tell me what you want to hear about in the next 100 episodes. I will post on my Instagram feed soon, but you can always DM me. There's a link in the description of every episode. We haven't done a listener question for a while, but I would love to do more of those. And you can leave those via email or voice memo in the link. So today's episode, I asked for your favorite topics, conversations, takeaways, episodes over these last 100. And they were all over the map, your responses, which I love because it shows how much diversity we have in this show and the different things that light all of us up. I actually didn't realize until I reviewed the list that I would have been really bummed if y'all had said the same couple of things. Like, oh, well, do I need to podcast only on those topics? Like, those are the popular ones. Those are the episodes that are going to do well. Because to me, life is diverse. It's complex. It's not just business and our work. It's our beauty and our self-worth. Didn't mean for there to be alliteration, but I love it when that happens. Um, It's not just hard things like anxiety. It 
is also the delight of travel. It's both romance and friendship. And I love that we cover so much here in this show and that in your responses, you resonate with all of those different things because I think it says about us as a community, we celebrate that diversity and complexity. We want the hard and we want the light. We want the right brain. We want the left brain. And that that we all, as I mentioned, we are so diverse as a community. And the fact that we also enjoy a diversity of topics just also reminds us that that everyone craves this, you know, uh, and that we all have that in common, that we honor the complexity of life and we want all of these different elements. So as I took your responses, I kind of grouped them together into six areas or topics where I thought these kind of represent the big things that we want to grow in, learn more about, that we're all trying to get better at. And then within each of those, I recapped three key takeaways that have pulled out of episodes as a refresher to remind us of what we've learned. And perhaps there are episodes that you want to go back and re-listen to once you are reminded of them. So these are in ascending order, meaning the topics that were mentioned the most often are going are going to be at the end of the episode. Does that make sense? Ascending order. I think you get that. Okay. So, topic area number 1 was style. In case you don't know, my great life mission is exploring what makes women feel beautiful. Helping women have more joy, less overwhelm, more peace, more authentic confidence in who they are. And thanks in part to this podcast, I now get to speak so much more to the general confidence, like through the Elegant Excellence Journal, all of the mindset work, the the passions, the goal setting, all of that. But I inherently don't believe that you can have a peace-filled, joyful woman who doesn't feel peaceful with her body, who doesn't feel beautiful. And so to me, that is a core uh, passion and calling of mine that is at the root of everything else I teach. I think we we need to be diverse and we need to bring all these things in, but I believe you would be hard-pressed to find a woman that seems really emotionally healthy, mentally healthy, spiritually healthy, and could also tell you, oh, I don't feel beautiful. Um, I either feel I either feel not beautiful or I've just tried to shut down that part of my brain and tell myself that it doesn't matter and that I I don't care so I love that that resonated with you because that is such a core desire of mine and uh, we touch on it in various episodes of this podcast I'm sure we will talk about it more as my style book uh, comes out down the road but here's three key reminders that I've taught on in these hundred episodes number one I want to challenge us to separate our body and our beauty, to focus on dressing joyfully, which would be about our beauty and and our aesthetic and our, uh, you know, what, what we see as stylish and beautiful and what makes us feel good and joyful, instead of focusing on thinness, on our body, that beauty doesn't have to mean thin, skinny, less weight, or be about any one area of our body. My beauty is tied to how I feel about my stomach, how I feel about my hips, how I feel about my arms, how I feel about my wrinkles, that we focus so much on intertwining these two things. If you lose 10 pounds, you will feel more beautiful. And to me, I try to separate those things and say, Okay, let's all work on being more at peace with not losing the 10 pounds. That's one part of the conversation. But also over here, we can work on dressing more joyfully and celebrating our beauty without it having to be intimately and intrinsically attached to our weight and our body. Number two, there's principles that you can learn about style, that the education of colors and patterns and fit and shapes, that increases our confidence to really understand an an education over garments and how they affect how we feel, how we see our body, how they can shift our shape, etc. And I find that most people in culture give us inspiration. We have a lot of beautiful style bloggers now, thankfully of all you know sizes and ethnicities and petite and plus size and what have you, where we can visually look and say, 
I, I find that visually inspiring. I would like to swipe up on her affiliate link and buy that exact dress. But that is not the same thing as I don't have to get this exact garment. I don't have to put together this exact outfit. I can understand the base of what I'm finding attractive about that. Is it the shape? Is it the color? Is it the pattern? And then I can find something in my closet that fits that. I can find something at my price point that fits that, etc. Number three, no garment can heal your head and your heart. I do believe that understanding these principles about style can be a huge tool for shifting how we feel. They really make us feel empowered and educated and like, We are not the victim to the piece of clothing, but we can go and find clothing that really fits and highlights our body. But clothing alone is never going to be enough. And that's why I am, I'm not a style blogger. I don't recommend items of clothing to buy. I'm not saying I I never do that or I would never do that, but that's, that's not the answer. The answer to beauty is not buy this sweater that is cute or that is cute on me and maybe looks different on you. But it is saying, yes, that sweater is going to bring you joy, but there is a ceiling of how much joy and peace and confidence that can bring you that we have to then go on to the mindset and the mental health and the, uh, the, the inner work that we do so much here on the podcast that really is holistic. The second category you shared on, I would describe as Feeling love for others. These were episodes like uh, envy and comparison. I'm sorry for judging you. How to do self-love better. Racism. It is very dear to my heart, this topic of feeling love for one another. And I'm so grateful that I found more ways to speak on it through this period of 100 episodes, both here on the podcast and on Instagram. But here's three of my favorite teaching snippets that we've discussed together. Number one, if we both come from love, we can disagree. This is very specifically from, I believe it's episode 17 on self-love. And this concept is so powerful to me that if we truly believed that the other person was coming from love, who had a different opinion from us on abortion, on immigration, on very hard, challenging, complex issues, on gay rights, things that we might say, my blood wants to boil with the idea that someone would disagree with me, whichever side I'm on. But if I truly were to, re- were to reframe it as this other person loves babies so much, mental health so much, families so much, whatever, that they're coming from a position of love, how does that allow us, even we we don't have to say, okay, I hear where you're coming from. We don't have to say, all right, we can agree to disagree. We can still say, I don't agree with that, but I don't vilify you for it. I don't think that you are a selfish person, a dumb person. I don't think you have not done your research, et cetera. So much of this language that we get in culture that says, if you disagree with me, you must be either dumb or disgusting. And if we instead were like, what if we both were intelligent, well-researched, heartfelt, um, women of faith or values or whatever is important to us. And we happen to have different perspectives on this. I just that it remains one of my favorite podcast episodes um, and conversations that we just continue to have. Number two is a win for someone else is proof it can happen for you. A win for someone else is proof it can happen for you. We talked about this in the uh, episode on envy and comparison. And it's something that I use all the time in my own life because we all feel that envy and comparison and jealousy. And I really have to, I use this principle all the time when that comes up because it comes up so often on Instagram when you're seeing things that are happening for other people. And I have to tell myself or I choose to tell myself if there is something this person has that I want that A, tells me something about what I desire and value. And that's great that I have that that insight and self-awareness, and B, if it's happening for them, it can happen for me. We talked about this in singleness, that that I learned this concept truly from two girlfriends who, after I got engaged, said, 
I am feeling such hope at your engagement as opposed to, ugh, another friend's getting engaged and I'm still single, that they both had this beautiful perspective of, I'm just realizing you you didn't settle, you weren't 23, you didn't, you know, all these different things where they looked at, okay, I have something in common with her and she found her person. So if it can happen to her, it can happen to me. If it can happen for her, it can happen for me. And I think that that is so powerful to get out of that victim place and truly not just swallow our jealousy and be like, great, I'm happy for you, but honestly, selfishly go, okay, universe, is this proof that it can happen for me? Because we've got, you know, similar stories going on. And number three, honor that we don't know the whole story. This was in the episode, I'm sorry for judging you. And I think that that is really something I have evolved into over the last few years, being in some different situations in my life or with friends where I realize I could have had a fleeting thought before of, I don't really get why that's such a big deal. Or shouldn't you be over that by now? Or I would certainly do this differently. Or a little subtle eye roll. And then once you're in the situation, you go, oh, now I get it. Yeah, this is more complex than I thought. Oh, yes, I didn't know that detail. You know, now that it's happened to me personally, I realize this is a lot harder than I thought it would be. And how I I confess that I realize... I do this so often in small ways that seem kind of comical with Jeremy where we'll just be like, okay, if we were in charge of this, you know, business that we're interacting with, obviously we would do it better because we would do this and we would do that. And it's silly and it's lighthearted, but I challenge, I always say in that, that on the other side, if we actually ran this establishment, there's probably more complexity than we realize. There's probably actually a revenue reason why they do it that way. There probably actually is a huge red tape thing that behind the scenes, if we got into it, we might be like, oh, you know what? As a customer, I totally judged you for that. But now that I'm co-owner of this business, I totally get it. Let's keep doing it the way that you were doing it. And I think that part of that also has to do with not trying to control someone else. I think that's another key takeaway in this feeling love for others is how much, how often we desire for someone to, but kind of back to point number one, if we both come from love, we can disagree. Being okay with differences, that when we try to control someone and say, I need you to post on Instagram exactly what I want, I need you to not post anything that I disagree with, I need you to speak up on the topics that I want you to speak up on, I need you as my girlfriend to text me back within a certain number of days, I, you know, whatever it is, that these are all elements where we'd like to control someone else to be just like us because that would be most comfortable for us. And if we can actually say, you know what, I'm okay with differences. Not every friend is going to communicate the same way I am. We're not always going to be equal in the way that we're prioritizing one another for a season. You know, my boss may have a a personality that is not like mine, but it works for them. And not everybody has to be like me. I think that all of these little elements help us feel more love and compassion and connection for one another. And I'm so grateful that that topic has resonated with you so much here. The third area that really stood out to you, I've grouped as anxiety, peace, and confidence. We've done multiple episodes on anxiety. We did the episode on royal mindset, crowned with confidence. You're doing great. We've talked about faith over fear. And I wish that so many of us did not struggle with anxiety. I think I mentioned in a recent episode that on an Instagram stories poll, it was like 97 or 98% said we struggle with anxiety. I wish that was not true. And yet, as Chelsea said in her review at the top, I am glad to know that we aren't alone. That not only I'm not alone, but you also aren't alone. It's not even just you and I. It's the other you know, uh, 99% of people here. But... I do want us to all be able to overcome anxiety and to ameliorate that, to lessen that, and that the way we do that is both steps to overcome anxiety and also amplifying our confidence and our peace. So the three key takeaways for me are, number one, small steps and shifts is the key to any great change. I think this was maybe episode two of the podcast where I laid out like, 
37 things I had done to quote unquote heal my anxiety. And that doesn't mean that I, uh, it's it's not like cancer where I was like remission free and it was never going to be, uh, you know, in remission. I was never going to be an issue. It just means it got better. And that, that list was tiny, small steps and shifts. And I did another episode on, um, like getting physically healthier. And it was really similar. It was these tiny little things that I did over time. It wasn't January 1, new you, new year, hundred, you know, 180 degree change on my exercise and my eating habits and my water and my clean beauty and all of the things that I think it's really important with something like anxiety and mental health to tell ourselves, I'm not trying to find the secret the light bulb moment, the light switch that goes, oh my gosh, yesterday I was in the depths of despair and today everything is fine and I'm on such a higher plane and I'm never going back. Then instead saying, no, I'm going to look back after six months, after 18 months and go, oh my gosh, I have grown and healed so much. And the way that I did it was 37 different tiny things that I all added on top of each other. And therefore, every day we can make a small step and shift in the right direction. We're not waiting for someone to give us the secret, and then have a perfect month of time where we have all this free free time and energy to put towards this. Number two is what if equals fear, even if equals faith? What if equals fear, even if equals faith? So for me, this faith, personally, yes, it's a faith in God. And when I realize I'm going down that, okay, what if this happens? Whereas I say, even if this happens, God, I believe that you are good. I believe that you will give me the support I need. I believe that you will shift my heart to et cetera, et cetera. But it also is faith in ourselves that we will find a way that it won't be catastrophic. And whether that's because faith doesn't uh, relate to you or just because it's both parts. It's believing that God will will provide for you and protect you, um, and also having that inner confidence in yourself. And for me, those are intertwined. A lot of times, confidence in myself really is confidence in God. Um, But for you, it may just be that confidence in yourself that it's going to be okay. And I notice, I say this with Jeremy all the time in small things. Like he's like, he's like, I think I'm feeling a little anxious today because I'm worried. Like, what if we don't connect with the realtor? Like, what if my phone isn't working when we get there? I'm like, you know what? Even if we don't, like, what's the worst case scenario? You know, we didn't see these houses. It's fine, et cetera, et cetera. And I just kind of, I take, his mindset is going to the catastrophic where, you know, it's not going to be that bad, but his, it's still kind of going to the, oh, I'm a little nervous because this would be the, the bad scenario, right? And my ability to be like, yeah, but even if that bad scenario happened, it's not really that big of a deal. And it just kind of lowers the volume on, oh yeah, this this little thing, it's going to be okay. And sometimes this is big thing. Sometimes this is, you know, what if we can't get pregnant and have a biological baby? Even if we can't get pregnant and have a biological baby, I believe there is a way for me to be a mother. I believe that my heart will shift. I believe that God has a plan, et cetera. So it can be in small things or in big. And number three, being proud of ourselves. Being kind to ourselves. We are so hard on ourselves. And we, tr- when we treat ourselves mentally like a graceful, empowered, respected, kind queen, when we talk about that royal mindset, who is, she's safe. nothing's going to be able to to get to her that really derails her life. She's powerful. If she wants to do something, she's going to find a way to do it. She's going to be supported in doing it. She's going to have a voice. She's going to be listened to. She's respected. There are people around her that want to hear from her. They want to support her. She's making a difference. She's empowered to make a difference. So it's both the actions for anxiety, those small steps and shifts, but it's also so much more the mindset of inner peace of that even if, let me 
roll back that catastrophic thinking and realize I'm more safe than I realize. And it's also that kindness to ourselves. I think that that is so powerful to realize. Even a girlfriend texted me yesterday who got married not long ago and we were kind of chatting about what she's learned in the first few months of marriage. And she said, I'm learning that I am so hard on myself because when I'm hard on myself, I'm hard on others. So I'm really hard on my husband and I realize that's actually because I'm so hard on myself. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've realized that with my team over the years. Long before I was married, I realized I am so hard on my employees because I'm so hard on myself. And the more grace that I show to myself over the years, this wasn't like a light switch, but over the years, my employees in 2021 compared to those back in like, you know, 2016 would say, yes, there was a lot more grace that's given to me and they might not be able to articulate. Actually, it's coming because Hillary gives a lot more grace to herself than she did five years ago. The next area as we head into our final three here are close relationships. So our episodes on nurturing friendships, on my and Jeremy's love story, on singleness, whether it's romantic or platonic, uh, prioritizing those relationships, how to be a good friend in loss, third circle grief, those things as well that are about honoring the close relationships in our lives. So my three takeaways here are, number one, we all want more connection. When we have talked about these friendship episodes and when I've done polls on Instagram and I read through my DMs over the years, I truly believe that we all want more connection. So reach out. Be the one to reach out. Be the one to try to create the friendship. Be the one that gives 60%, 70% in the friendship for, for a season, for a while. That's not going to be sustainable for long term. But if you do it for a while, then that person may be like, you know what? I'm loving how much this person cares about me and prioritizes this friendship. So I'm really now I'm going to lean in and pour back. Don't imagine that everyone else has plenty of connection. That's one of my core themes that I think 75% of us believe that 75% of us have more connection than us. And the math just doesn't work out. (laughs) It can't be that only 25% of us are lonely and I hear from those 25% consistently. I've always said, I believe that Sarah and Beth are two girlfriends in real life who are both DMing me that they wish they had more friends in their life. They wish they had more connection. They wish they saw their girlfriends more. They wish they they texted more. And these both women in the party are actually feeling that way. And they're thinking that they're the only one who is. So I really believe we all want more connection. And therefore, let us not sit back and expect other people to come to us. Let's be the one going to them, not because in our mind we're like, well, I'm so lonely and desperate, but because we're like, you know what? Those people are lonely. Those people want more connection. So I'm going to reach out. And then the secret thing is that we are also lonely and want connection and it benefits us as well. Number two is honor loss. This episode on how to be a good friend in grief, maybe it was episode 33 or thereabouts, but it really, I had interviewed five friends who had gone through grief and loss and asked them, how could we have, how could someone have been a better friend to you? I, I wasn't necessarily in their life at the time. And the basic nutshell of an answer was just show up. Just show up and be present even when you don't know what to do. Just keep showing up. Don't show up with the first message. Don't show up the first week, the first month. Just keep showing up and honoring that loss and honoring that it is complex and it is ugly and it is messy and it will go on for a long time. And don't downplay your own. We talked about third circle grief back in the spring and that really is about not downplaying when we have grief that isn't our immediate inner circle, that it is still a very real grief and putting some language to that. And number three is notice the desire to control others and release it. Now, this is kind of a, uh, a duplication of another one earlier. And I think that so much of our feelings around friendship can be a desire to control others. As I mentioned, I want them to show up the way that I want. I want them to text as often. I want them to read my mind and know when to reach out, et cetera. And also just realizing that that's what others are doing to us when they criticize, 
back to not needing to control others about their viewpoints or what they do or don't share on social media, et cetera, that when we criticize someone else, we are saying, you're not behaving exactly the way I want you to behave, and I'm trying to control you to make myself feel better. And really, I have realized that the less I try to control other people, the closer it makes my relationships because I'm okay that I don't agree with everything they say. I'm okay that they're not gonna show up for me in exactly the way that I want. And the more grace that I have given them to be them and do them, the better I have felt in my close relationships. Area number five is doing life better. (laughs) Just doing it better, doing less Taking small shifts, again, kind of what Chelsea said in her review at the top of just what are the small actionable steps we can take that get us in the right direction, just about life, just about adulting. So these were topics on essentialism, doing less, the episodes on 22 steps to feel better today, the wand, uh, my general teaching on getting 10% better. Like anxiety, I feel less crazy knowing how much you all want and care about this too, because this is a huge area for me. Essentialism and doing less, constantly trying to peel that back and grow a little bit more in my inner peace, in my thought process, et cetera. So step number, uh, tip, takeaway, number one for me is doing less is the key in today's world that we almost all feel like we do not have enough time. It is a universal desire. And those who don't struggle with it as much, who feel like they're okay with the time they have, I think that's because they have gotten clarity on what they want to prioritize, not because they just have less social invites, they have less apps on their phones, they have less career opportunities, they have less things they could watch on Netflix. They have all those same things. It's not that we've got people that are just bored and twiddling their thumbs with all this free time. We all have more ideas, options, and opportunities than ever before, and it is about choosing less but better getting clarity about the few things we really want to prioritize and releasing so much of the rest. The challenge, the the rub, is if it was easy to do this or we knew which ones to choose that would truly make us happy, we would all be doing it. So it's the the fact that we have to get that clarity. We have to discern What are the things that matter most to me? And what are these other desires and addictions and ego and things that I am drawn to? And why is it so hard to put up boundaries and all of those things? If it was easy or we knew what to choose, we would all be doing it. The reason we all are together on this path of trying to be more essentialist is because, as we said at the very top, life is complex. Our brains are complex, our hearts are desires, and therefore we are all untangling this together. Number two, our thoughts change our lives and we control our thoughts. This is the concept of the wand and I speak about it in a lot of different ways, but to me it really is the light bulb moment of it is internal, not external. I'm not waiting for things to go right. I'm not waiting for an easier season, a more ideal scenario. I am choosing now, I am empowered and enabled to choose now in my thoughts more peace, more joy, more gratitude, whatever it is, it actually is within me. And therefore, I am less of a victim to the circumstances outside of me, and I'm more empowered with my own thoughts that I can control, even when the hardest of the hard seasons happen um, or when it's just general busyness or whatever, that insight of returning to our power over our thoughts. And number three, uh, another repeat of earlier, is the idea of small shifts, that we can go one, one step up or down the scale into choosing a better feeling thought. We can get 10% better in an area this year. We can get 1% better in this season, in this area, that it's not about sweeping change, but that our joy, happiness, peace, mental health, 
liking our life better, liking who we are better is a series of small shifts. And then finally, the area that got the most responses overall was about making our dreams happen, living the life we want, how to know what life we want and how to really get there, work purpose, passion. These were our episodes on dreams, that trio of episodes. Uh, There was one way back in the beginning called Five Years, How to Dream Big Without Being Disappointed, episodes on discovering your passion and purpose, how I started in business, um, an an interview with my dad about how he got started in work, lessons from my theater career. So obviously this area is important to me because I created the Elegant Excellence Goals Journal, which is really about making our dreams happen, curating the life that we really want to lead. And I also host the Elegant Excellence Mastermind, which helps fellow entrepreneurs build their business, find their work-life balance, their their, their mindset, their strategy, their marketing, all the things. So I love realizing that as the, this topic, I focus on it a lot as an entrepreneur. And a lot of my creation is with that in mind because my work is a huge part of my life. But in the number of you that answered this, I realized that it is not just entrepreneurship. And it is not just those of us that are a CEO or run a small business or maybe want to in the future. It is absolutely across the board. Back to that, whether you're a college student or you're retired or you're a stay-at-home mom, anywhere in between, you're in the corporate world and you're an entrepreneur, we all want purpose. We all either have passions or we want to to find and uncover what our passions are because we want to have purpose, whether that's what we're doing in our work or volunteerism, but we want to feel like our life matters and has meaning. So the three key takeaways in this are, number one, we are afraid to fail. We are afraid to dream because we're afraid to fail. We're afraid to choose the wrong dream, to make the wrong decision. We don't know how to start. And this is a huge area of life that matters to us, purpose and passion. So when we realize just how much it matters to us, let us be convicted and compelled that we want to stop being so afraid And stop trying to do it so perfectly because this is a huge area that matters deeply to us. So let us be putting our extra focus and clarity and courage into taking action here more than anything else in our lives because this matters deeply. Because it matters deeply, it's where we have the most fear of doing it wrong, of failing, of wasting time and energy. So we overthink it. But let us really challenge ourselves. This this universally matters. So I need to prioritize it and say, I'm going to have more courage here. I'm going to take more action. I don't want to be so afraid and trying to do this so perfect. And that brings us to number two, which is confidence and clarity comes from action, not thought. So We spend so much time trying to figure out what it is we want to do before we make the perfect step, but counterintuitively, it is only through taking action and trying and doing that we get the clarity of, I do love this. I don't like that. This really isn't going to make me happy. This is harder than I thought. This is easier than I thought. And that leads to the confidence of, I'm good at this. I know what I want. I know what I don't want. I know what I'm not good at. And this brings us to number three, which is keep asking the question when you don't know the answer. Because so often we don't take the action because we don't know the right action. <laughs> but I think we, I've, I've repeated a lot, specifically in the last few months, it's really been a repeating theme for me, of keep asking the question when you don't know the answer. And we are all going to have seasons when we don't know the answer. It's not a beginner thing. We don't know the answer about our career or our retirement or being a mother or staying in this marriage, whatever it is. And by just asking it, we're on the path to action because we're telling our brains we want to take action. We want to find a solution. We want more clarity. We want more confidence. So we're going to keep it at the forefront of our mind and we're going to keep asking, not worrying, not thinking let me figure out the perfect 
you know, let me find the secret that's out there or let me figure out the exact 10 part map or let me think about how I can go into the situation and never get hurt and never fail. But more so saying, I, I want to know the next step. I want to, I want to get better in this area. I want to have breakthrough here. I want to have more joy. I want to have more peace. What would that look like? And the final note that I'll say is I, after gathering up all of your answers of your favorite topics and takeaways over these 100 episodes, I also took a look at my most downloaded episodes. So when you rank those on your back end of your podcast software, it's mostly going to be chronological. You know, my er, my earlier episodes are going to have the most downloads because a lot of people join, find out about the podcast, you recommend it to a friend of yours or your audience, and they start at the very beginning which really makes me feel like we are kindred spirits because that's totally what I do when I find something new. Like, you know, I don't want to read the sixth book in the series. I want to, you know, start at the first and then read the whole thing. So of those, there was two that most stood out as out of order. Like they came later on in the history of our 100 episodes and yet they were closer to the top. And those are, I owe you an apology and an open letter on opinion culture. And I'm going to link those two in the description below. We've mentioned so many here, and I trust that you can go back and uh, find the topics that really speak to you. But in case you haven't heard either one of these, I wanted to specifically link those two below. What it really speaks to me about when I consider why those have gotten so many downloads, which when you think about it also, it's not that people are are coming to the podcast later, scrolling through and... um, being like, oh, this this title sounds really interesting to me, you know? I th- it may be some of that, but I think more so it's because you shared it. You told your friends, you shared it with your audience, and you're like, I highly recommend that you take some time out of your day to listen to this. And what those two episodes really are is vulnerability. I shared both of those when I was in pain. In episode number one, I talk about hard things that I've gone through in the past, suicidal ideation, heartbreak. But both of these episodes were happening right then. Episode one was things that may have happened to me 5, 10, 20 years ago. Um, These were things that were happening then, and I felt compelled to speak about them in the moment and not wait a year. And it's pretty conventional wisdom to speak or teach from your scars not your wounds. You know, when something is really fresh, it it can be uncomfortably vulnerable to watch. And I think that that's super wise advice. I saw recently some celebrity, I literally didn't even know who she was. I just saw the, um, the headline. She tweeted that her husband announced he was leaving her and then she deleted it. And I thought, yeah, it was, she shared from something that was too raw. And then when she had a moment to reflect, she felt, you know, way too vulnerable or she actually didn't want people to know yet or she didn't want feedback on it. And so then she tried to like take it back. And of course, in this day and age, it's already out there. But that wasn't the case in these episodes. You know, it wasn't like something traumatic happened the day before and then I just showed up. They were, uh, which I might do at some point, I don't know. But in these topics, they were evolving for months, if not longer. There, There was just some final little straw of, you know, I think I need to speak on this now. And what I take away from the number of downloads on this episode is that we relate to that vulnerability. And so I want to remind you and encourage you to embrace that in your own life. You know, one of my closest friends messaged me recently that she is really depressed. Like she thinks she should be exploring medication. She just can't stop crying, et cetera. And this is not the kind of friend that, that shares things with me that often. I mean, we talk all the time. We share things about our life, but it really stood out to me as, oh, she is being so much more vulnerable with me than she even normally is. And I was so thankful that she did. I I just felt so grateful. I felt honored. I felt um, happy for her that she asked for that help. I felt, uh, you know, like, oh gosh, how scary would it be? You know, these times when we do have people follow through on suicidal thoughts, for example. And I'm not saying this friend is struggling with that, but just really struggling because they didn't want to reach out. We think it's going to be too much. It's going to be inconvenient. It's going to be embarrassing. We're going to, I don't know what. But 
we th- I believe we think that because we have seen those times when it was too much too soon. When somebody tweets something in a moment of anger and then they 30 minutes later or three days later have regrets and they delete it. We see those moments and we're like, oh, I don't want to be that person. But that's not what most of us are doing. You know, so please, if you are struggling right now, text a friend. Text three friends. You know, hey, I just wanted to share this. I'm having a hard time. And no, back up to the top where we're going to release people you know, our, our control over people, maybe not everyone is going to respond or respond well, but someone will. And that person then will have permission that they can do the same. They will then have the muscle memory of, I felt really grateful when that friend reached out. It felt great to be able to support someone and to love someone and to have a really honest conversation. And so when they're in that place, then they can go back to their their memory of, you know what, I'm afraid to reach out to, to a friend about this, but actually when friends have reached out to me, I was really grateful that they did. So I think that I can can do the same. And to quote our title of the podcast and our general ethos here, I think this final charge to you is, A reminder that you are welcome to be yourself, to be honest about who you are, to share who you are, that we actually love and feel so grateful and connected. Again, as Chelsea said in her review at the top, that you feel less alone when someone else says who they really are. You then tell others that they are welcome to, and it creates this beautiful cyclical feeling. When we are more ourselves, we invite others to be more themselves. And that truly leads us to more joy, peace, hope, and growth when we do that together. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately is a little update. P.S. Something I'm loving lately. I had mentioned to you in a previous episode that I discovered these silicone chest patches. And I had a brand that I was using at the time. And I since, like the total nerd that I am, I ordered because the the patches are expensive. Here's the thing. Sorry. Let me just explain what these are if you didn't hear the previous P.S. So I noticed I woke up one morning and I realized I had a line in my chest, like kind of in the middle of my cleavage because I'm a side sleeper. And it was one of those days where you just look in the mirror and you're like, obviously that's been happening for a while. Why did I just notice this today? And I wondered, is there anything that I can do for this? So I found these silicone chest patches. And it was one of those things that I was like, this is probably a scammy product that isn't going to work. And tried it on. Uh, you, you, You just sleep in it overnight. Peeled off the patch in the morning and was like, there's no line. Next night, sleep without the patch, wake up, line. Next night, sleep with the patch, wake up, no line. I was like, oh my gosh, these actually work. And I am reticent to share beauty products because most beauty products are so subtle in the way they work that I'm like, I don't know if this is working. Like, I don't know if this serum is better than the others. I I applaud women who know that, that they like this serum better than the other serum. I, I, can't, I can't tell the difference. I'm not observant enough. The line in my chest was a clear before and after. I could split test it. I could go one night on, one night off and be like, this is working. So for me personally, it is worth the money, but it's also expensive. So, and some of them are a lot cheaper on Amazon. So I tried so many of these and ultimately the cheaper ones, they didn't stick as well. They didn't last for as long. And so they they weren't ultimately the most effective. And in that, I found another brand that I actually like even better. I'll link it in the description below. Not sponsored, obviously, um, but it's called CO. I like it even better. And here's my up level. So I, <laughs> okay, they have... You know, I don't love the wrinkles on my neck either, but the they have these neck patches. It feels like you are being strangled. And I don't I don't have like a I would imagine for some women, you know, who maybe have gone through trauma that's like an especially sensitive area. I don't have that. And it makes me feel like I'm being strangled. It is so uncomfortable, I can't wear it. But I'm also getting these lines like if you if you if you go to like the center of your your clavicle, your breast, and then you draw a V shape up to your shoulders. I'm also getting a line kind of on my shoulder there because again, when you picture my arm leans in over the night, there's like a crease there. So I had the idea to take the neck patch and put it, oh, it, like it goes like over my shoulder, 
It starts a little bit over my shoulder and then it goes on a diagonal down the front of my chest and it overlaps just slightly the chest patch. So basically I've got like a Wonder Woman breastplate is what's happening. So I use three patches. I use a chest in the center and I use a neck on either side and I create like this whole situation for myself. Now, I don't wear this every night. Legit 100% just because I'm lazy, I... I keep thinking, you know, some people keep thinking they're going to work out or they're going to lose 10 pounds. Like, I mean, I keep thinking I'm going to work out too, but, or you're going to meditate one day. I think that too. Probably what I think the most often though about myself is like, I'm going to be someone who takes her beauty regimen more seriously. Like I'm going to get to some age number where I look in the mirror and it like snaps me into, oh my gosh, I've got to take this more seriously. So anyways, I don't use them all the time. I know that they are expensive as always, whenever I'm talking, by the way, about something like wrinkles, if your wrinkles don't bother you, amazing. I'm not telling you that that is more beautiful. I am just saying for me, It did not make me feel the most beautiful and I felt more beautiful after using these. And so for me, the cost benefit of the uh, financial investment was worth it or is worth it and maybe even more so than some serums and things like that because I can visibly see the difference. And I think that you need, that's the great thing about these as well. You can try it. I tried, um, I tried the forehead ones and those did not, they create like a, a line, like you have like a mark where the patch was and I guess there is a mark on the sides of my breasts for example but a no one really sees that and b like there's not really other wrinkles happening on that part of my breast so I think it's not as bothersome the idea of protecting one wrinkle but creating another line on my forehead just did not make sense so the great thing about these is you can try them out once and really say see is there a before and after? All right. That was a very long um, non-commercial for a product that is not a sponsor of this podcast, but um, pass on anything that I truly am loving lately. So swipe up. You can get the link for that. And um, there you go. Oh, and by the way, they also have a um, they have a chest and a neck combo one that ends up being like a little bit cheaper. But I would say if you're just starting, just start with the chest one to truly establish yes, this, I see the before and after this works for me and then expand onto the other thing would be my professional advice. All right, my dear, thank you again so much for those of you that contributed to today's episode. And you can absolutely chime in with what you would love to see on future episodes over on Instagram, swipe up, leave a review. Thank you so much for doing that. Share a little bit about who you are so that someone else comes here and realizes that they are welcome here. And uh, you are welcome to join my conversation every day over on Instagram stories where I would love to hear more from you about how I can better help you in this next 100 episodes and beyond. Till next Wednesday. 